This is Crime Connections, and we're your host. I'm Jackie. And I'm Sarah. The month of October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. It evolved from a day of unity first observed in October 1981 by the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence. The intent was to connect advocates for survivors of abuse across the nation who were working to end violence against women and their children. The Day of Unity soon became a special week when a range of activities were conducted at the local, state, and national levels and has since grown to become a federally observed month of awareness and action of domestic violence. Across the country, families and friends of victims have gathered during Domestic Violence Awareness Month to remember and honor their loved ones who have lost their lives at the hands of a person they once loved and trusted. Shelters and local programs raise awareness about the crime of domestic violence in their communities and local governments recognize our collective efforts to end violence. What is domestic violence? Violent or aggressive behavior within the home, typically involving the violent abuse of a spouse or partner. This month we'll be covering different versions of domestic violence. Before jumping into this case, I would like to say a trigger warning to practically the whole entire case. This case is extremely hard to listen to. It does have some very sensitive topics. Now, let's get into it. Farrah Jo was a 24-year-old woman murdered on March 26, 2011 in Finley, Ohio. It was stated several times that Farrah's IQ was below average. Some people had said that it was in the borderline spectrum of mentally challenged. At 11, Vera was raped by her father, Willard Regal. Willard is now serving a 20-year sentence, and I wasn't sure from reading that if that meant from him doing that or if it meant from something else. Okay. Um, It didn't really specify, but apparently he's in prison right now. Good. At the age of 19, Vera started dating a 13-year-old boy named Zachary Brooks, which is predatorial and illegal, but due to Vera's intellectual deficiencies, no one thought twice about it. She was described to have the mentality of an 8-year-old child, which still is disgusting to think of an 8-year-old child dating a 13-year-old, but I guess okay. Sherry Brooks, Zachary's mother, was supposedly the one pushing for them to date. Some people in town had thought she wanted them to date so that Vera could move into their home and Sherry would then be able to collect Vera's disability checks. Unfortunately, a lot of this case is hearsay, and so there aren't a ton of facts out there, which made this very difficult to fact-check information, but a lot of what I'm going to read was quoted multiple times by family members or people that lived in town or things like that. Mm -hmm. Vera did end up moving into the Brooks house later on, and quickly, I do want to add, there were a lot of people going in and out of this house, so I want to just kind of like go over who I'm going to be talking about throughout this case just because it can get confusing because there are so many people. Sherry Brooks is the mother. She's the head of the house. Then her husband is Kevin. Then she has five children, Scotty, Punky, Garth, Zachary, and Michael. And then Michael's wife, Shannon, also lived in the house. I would like to give some background information on Sherry Brooks. At a young age, Sherry was molested by her father, which is one of the many reasons people believe she is the way she is. Sherry's father gave her the nickname Sugar Babe before being taken away due to sexual abuse and being put into foster care. She still goes by this name to this day. She goes by Sugar Babe? Sugar Babe. At the age of 16, according to Sherry's mother, Sherry came home from foster care and claimed that she needed to go back to get her baby. Sherry's mother thought Sherry had 
had a child. But according to the foster care workers, they said Sherry did not have a child, but was trying to kidnap one in this in the foster care system. Sherry is a mother of nine children. She lost her first five children, one at a time, for neglect and sexual abuse. Hold on. She's had nine kids. Yes. She tried to kidnap a child from the foster care system. Yes. When she was 16. Yeah. Okay. Well, that if I kidnapped a kid at 16, I'm sure people wouldn't forget about that. So let's yeah. not forget about that. Yeah. Um, she tried to, but it wasn't successful. Okay. Um, but she kept... Because the thing is, she kept claiming, like, I had a kid. I need to go back and get my kid. And so Sherry's mom was like, well, that's my first grandkid. Of course we're going to go get my kid grandkid bag yeah so they went to go do that and then the workers were like no she didn't have a kid she's just trying to claim this little girl as her daughter i mean that's sweet and all or it can be really weird yeah so she lost her other children to neglect yeah so then later in life she eventually has nine children the first five children were taken away from her one at a time very like over years uh in an interview sherry talked about I'm just going to preference. There is a lot of things happening. It is This case is very insane. In an interview, Sherry talked about consensual incest with Sherry's first cousin. His name, or people called him Big Danny Brooks, and they had a child, Scotty. She laughed in the interview saying people in town would call them kissing cousins because they literally were. Out of the five children, there was Scotty, Michael, Maria, Joshua, and then little Sherry. And they were all taken away one at a time while they were young. Sherry's mother was quoted saying that she didn't have one child longer than a year at a time due to them being taken away so often. Maria was the only one removed from the home after she was raped at one years old. A family member went to change her and there was a lot of blood in her diaper from being molested. Shut the... Oh my God. Um, little Sherry was spared from abuse because she was taken away at birth. Good. A few of the children who were taken did make their way back to Sherry when they were older. For whatever reason, they went back and lived with her. For some reason, even though the first five children were were removed from the house, the next four children were left in their mother's custody. Um, these children are Kevin, a.k.a. Punky, Zachary, Garth, and Chucky. Kevin Brooks senior is sherry's now husband and the father of most of the those children that remain in the home yes okay sherry's cousin was quoted in an interview saying that one time i went over to sherry's house and saw her holding up her son and sucking his genitals wait was he like a little a baby yes what the f- how is she not behind bars i have no idea okay this I- i'm glad you did the trigger warning i mean i knew about this case a little bit. I did not know that you had this sexual monster. Yes. Oh my god. I'm I'm yeah, pissed. It's bad. It's okay. And it only gets worse. Okay. So according to Scotty, which is Sherry's eldest son, Sherry would always tell her sons that they would need to have a child before 16, 17 years old because she wanted another girl. Sherry is a predator and should have never been allowed to even be around children. But the system failed all of these children in letting her be free. Okay, so now because she got to raise these kids, sexually molest these children, now you're going to have a group of potentially five to nine children that are, if they don't get the proper therapy, they can turn it into just as easily sexual predators, much like Sherry. Exactly. Great. I love that. So back to, I know that was a lot of information, but back to Vera moving into the Brooks household. Now, 
when I was doing research on this case, there is not many details as in like dates. So I don't have like in 2000, blah, 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 this is when she moved in and this is when she died. Unfortunately, there wasn't a lot of dates, which I thought was kind of weird, but I don't know. So I'm thinking Vera moved in around sometime in 2010. Okay. Because she passed away or was murdered in 2011. And I don't, I don't think she lived there very long, but I think that's, from what I've gathered, I think she moved, Vera moved in around 2010, sometime. So once Vera moved into the Brooks household, that is when her own personal hell began. Vera was seen but not heard unless spoken to or Sherry gave permission for her to speak, according to Sherry's two sons, Scotty and Michael. Vera's job in the house was to rub Sherry's feet, and if she didn't do it correctly, quote-unquote, Sherry would slap her upside the head with a wooden stick that looked somewhat like a back scratcher but wasn't a back scratcher. It was a little thicker, it was described as. The Brooks all claimed to be members of the Crips. There are a lot of photos of the family, if you look them up, where they're all throwing gang signs and things of that manner. Punky had been well known as the area's leader of the Crips in Finley. Punky Mm. was very much feared in Finley until August 5th of 2010 when he was 19 years old. He was in an accident and died. Punky and his girlfriend were walking at night and he was hit by a cab because it was pitch black and the cab couldn't see him. Sherry blamed Punky's girlfriend and was telling everyone that she pushed him, even though there was no evidence to that happening. Um, The police never thought that that happened. It was very clear that it was an accident. Shortly after his funeral, Punky's girlfriend was at the Brooks household, and Sherry told another girl there to beat her up for killing her son. The girl listened and beat her up on the front porch, then dragged her to the curb to, quote-unquote, curb stomp her. After Punky's death, Zachary took on the role of being the leader of the Crips in Finley. I'm going to be honest. I went to high school in Finley. I mean, Arcadia and Finley. I did both. I just, I didn't see this gang world that these kids, Yeah, I, I feel like what when you're saying Crips, I'm thinking maybe a small time weed dealer or maybe yeah. just like a school bully because I'm going to be honest, I don't know too many people that are afraid of, you know, people. Pun- punky. Yeah. Who, like if I had someone coming for me named Punky, I'd be like, what are you, what are you going to do? Come on. Yeah. It, it's honestly crazy. Like. I just don't understand how all this was happening and nothing was being done. Uh, like yeah. by, the, by the police. I would love to know that as well. So not long after Vera moved into the household, Sherry pretty much told her son, you need to get this girl pregnant. She needs to have a child. It needs to be a girl. And I want this baby. She was quoted by many people saying that you need to have a child so I can have another baby. And so shortly after Vera got pregnant because she was told to, she listened pretty much to whatever people told her to do because she apparently was a very huge people pleaser. And with her mental disability, I think She was easily convinced to do things. Yes. So many people were quoted saying that Sherry was claiming that Zachary and Vera's baby was her own. And she hadn't even been born yet. It was said that she even wanted to control the baby's birthday, which I know sounds crazy, but apparently Sherry had been adamant that the baby... Willa Dean would be born on her own birthday, even though she wasn't due until a little over a month after Sherry's birthday. So Sherry forced Vera to drink three bottles of castor oil to bring about an early labor, because according to an old wise tale, castor oil brings on labor. Uh, Willa Dean was born on the day after Sherry's birthday, November 4th, 
more than a month early. So due to her early delivery, Willa Dean was not developed enough to come home at her birth. She spent her first few weeks of life in the NICU. Willa Dean was brought home from the hospital and Sherry took her from Vera very quickly. Vera was very rarely allowed to touch Willa Dean, and if she was caught touching Willa Dean, Zachary or Sherry would beat her. Like I said, Vera's sole job in this house was to clean and to rub Sherry's feet. I want to beat them. Yeah. With the with the back scratcher that they beat Vera with. Yes. How dare you not let someone touch their baby? Well, and That's I'm pissing a, me off, dude. I'm so... This well, whole... Oh, my God. It's bad. It's so bad. And the thing is, nothing was done from like there are so many people in this household coming in and out watching this happen and no one did anything nothing nothing was done vera was very secluded from anyone outside of the brooks house vera was not even allowed to speak to her sister or anyone unless sherry was present because she wanted to control what she was saying yes it's exactly what that was yep and Vera was the family's whipping girl. Sherry told people that she thought Vera looked cute with her black eyes, like she looked like a little squirrel or raccoon. Mm, okay. And that was cute. I keeps I, I need to be a little more careful with my wording, but I hope that someone makes her look that cute. Mm-hmm. Because that just sounds repulsive. Oh, yeah. It's sickening. Like, this case is literally sickening. Two months before Vera was killed, the police were called to the Brooks residence, which was very common. The police apparently were there often, but unfortunately not much was done. When the police arrived to the distress call from Vera, who claimed she was being held against her will, they found her cut up, beaten, and bloody. However, she would only say that she had recently gotten into an altercation, she was fine, and she liked living there. Vera was forced to sleep in a closet with a pig, where the pig had free range of going to the bathroom wherever it pleased. Michael, Shannon, and other people around the house recount that Vera was forced to eat dog poop at one time for their entertainment. Sherry had a small area in the living room where Punky's ashes were. It was kind of like a, not a shrine, but um, a memorial in their house for him. And apparently there was a chocolate bar sitting on top of his ashes, like the box his Mm -hmm. ashes were in. And Vera was instructed that she could not leave the living room. And so Vera ate the chocolate because she hadn't eaten in a long time. And so she was starving, so she ate the chocolate. Well, that was unacceptable, so Vera was beaten because she ate the chocolate bar. Oh, Um, because they're not 89 cents and it can't be replaced? Yeah. Okay. Because it was disrespectful to Punky. Oh, well, I'm listening to this and it's disrespectful to Vera. Mm Mm-hmm. At some point, someone set off a canister of pepper spray in the upstairs bedroom. Shannon, Michael, and Sherry and others were in the house at the time. And at the time, Shannon, who again is Michael's wife, and Michael is one of Sherry's children, Shannon was going around telling people that she was pregnant and that she had lost the baby due to the fumes of the pepper spray from the house. Shannon blamed Vera for setting off the pepper spray and was heard saying that she wants vera dead because vera killed her baby now later on shannon denied ever claiming she was pregnant but prosecutors were able to later pull facebook messages proving that she was telling people she was pregnant everything in this family that had or could go wrong was blamed on vera on September 13th of 2010, Vera's sister, Ashley, called the police and reported, you know, Vera was being beaten and mistreated and this and this. The call log was pulled. It proved that Ashley called, but nothing was filed 
on her claims or reported. Police and family services were called on Vera's behalf many times, and like I said, nothing was done. There was a caseworker assigned to Vera because she had been to the hospital so many times Mm -hmm. with so many bruises and cuts and this and this and this, but that was it. That's all she was assigned. Nothing actually came from it um, to actually help her. Vera was catching beatings regularly when police or DCF came to question Vera on the way she was being treated. She was always questioned in front of Sherry, and Vera was reported many times to look at Sherry every time a question was asked before answering, and then Sherry would then prompt her to tell her like what to say. Vera was afraid to tell the truth. She was instructed many times to say that she'd either fallen down the stairs or given other excuses as to why she was bruised and beaten up. During one of Vera's many hospital visits, this time it was for a broken nose given to her by Zachary, her kind of boyfriend, I guess. Her child boyfriend. Yes. Vera was forced to say that she had another boyfriend who was a quote-unquote black kid from the town over and he was to blame for her broken nose but everyone Mm -hmm. familiar with the situation knew that there was no person that Vera even was one allowed to talk to or two she was in very much in love with Zachary even after the beatings and the mistreatment okay so why is it that they're saying oh my god it was a black boyfriend from a town over now are you talking about my town Faustoria are you talking about my town Um, are you talking about Lima I think it was Lima Okay, because at the end of the day, you have a group of, sorry, white trash Mm -hmm. saying that all of a sudden you have an African-American man coming and beating up a woman that's not allowed to leave the house. Or talk to anyone about the Brooks family. Um, No, get out of here. Get out of town. The police took the story and believed them because Mm -hmm. I think their hands were tied. Like, because what were they supposed to do if Vera isn't standing up and saying something? And she's technically adult, even though she has the capacity of an eight year old. Yeah. I. Where was her help? Nowhere. Nowhere. And like I said, her sister reported multiple times, like, hey, this is what is happening to Vera. But because the police were using the excuse of, well, she's technically adult, if she was actually getting beat and hurt, she should report it herself. Yeah, but she basically has, like, I think it's called Stockholm Syndrome, where you end up loving your people. Abuser. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you love your abuser. So it's like... And then on top of that, you have Sherry that's making sure she can't say anything. She has to approve what she says before she says yes. it. Yes. Like, get out of town. Yeah. And it's terrible. It's literally terrible. So once Willa Dean was born, Vera became the burden of the house. Um, it seemed that no one wanted her around, even though in reality no one wanted her around before Willa Dean was born. Zachary didn't love her, and he wanted to date other girls, but Sherry was worried that if Vera were to leave the home, she could easily gain custody of Willa Dean because she was a single mother, and typically courts always go with the mom. Right. And that was unacceptable to Sherry. So the household began to openly plan Vera's death, like in front of everyone, they would talk about it. They debated different scenarios, such as overdosing Vera on drugs, then leaving her on the railroad tracks so the train would hit her. And Sherry's cousin had been hit like a few years prior to this. And she was quoted saying that the victim's face resembled hamburger meat, which when she got hit by a train, when her cousin got hit, yeah, it was a guy got hit by a train. Why would you say that? I have no idea. I I thought that was so weird. And she's, so there's a documentary on this case and she's like, says it multiple times in the documentary too. Years later, she's still saying that, which I'm like, why would you say that? I don't know. Oh my gosh. 
like I said, this is all happening over, from what I can gather, a year to two years. This okay. is all happening within that time frame. Sometime towards the end of Vera's life, Danny Bixler and a 17-year-old girl, Nicole Peters, started staying with the Brooks family. Danny had recently gotten out of a three-year prison sentence. Danny is Sherry's cousin. Is that the father of her original children? Or is this a different Danny? No, this is little Danny. Oh, okay. Which I spoke about earlier. Um, Being the kissing cousin? Yes. How disgusting. Well, I love that. Danny, little Danny is Big Danny's son. Oh, okay. So, um, which Big Danny is the cousin that uh, Sherry had a child with, who is Scotty. Mm. Um, so, technically, Danny and Scotty are half-brothers. And to just mention, at this time, Big Danny, their father, is in prison for attempted murder on little Danny's mother, who was Big Danny's wife at the time. Hmm. So I know that's kind of confusing, but after Danny had moved in with his girlfriend, Sherry and Vera went outside to clean the rabbit's cage, and Vera accidentally dropped a big rock on Sherry's foot. Sherry screamed out, and Zachary, uh, Vera's boyfriend, Sherry's son, came to see what was going on. Sherry told Zachary that Vera purposely dropped this big rock on her foot while cussing her out. Supposedly, this is what triggered Sherry's decision to kill Vera. Because she dropped a rock on her foot. Yes. Oh, okay. So that was like the tipping point, apparently. All right. Sherry told Danny and Nicole that it hadn't been Punky's girlfriend who had been walking with the gang leader the night of his death. It had been Vera. Vera was the one who had pushed Punky and killed him, the Crip leader. Danny, being a Crip himself, took this very personal. He told Zachary that Vera needed to die for killing a Crip. Days before Vera was murdered, the worst of her torture began. It only gets worse from here. Vera was beaten on and off for hours on end until her death. Chucky tied a padlock to the end of a belt and the family took turns beating Vera with it. A paddle with the letter J on it was also used to beat her. Witnesses, including Sherry and some of her sons, have stated that during these beatings, Nicole was turned on sexually, and she and Danny would take breaks from beatings, go into the bedroom, have sex, and then they would come back out and beat Vera more. Scotty and Michael stated that all of these beatings occurred in Sherry's room, and Sherry would sit on her bed because she was, like, wheelchair like because she ridden. Got, because she Because of her feet, and she had diabetes, so her feet were already all messed up, um, so she... Mm-hmm was in a wheelchair okay like i said these beatings were all in sherry's room and sherry would egg on the beating saying hit her again hit her again every bone in vera's face was broken from these beatings so on march 25th of 2011 vera was stabbed by danny in the leg and sherry admitted in that documentary that she stuck her whole entire finger in the wound because she was curious to see how deep it was They, as in the boys um, who lived at the house at the time, they took a plunger and raped Vera with it. They then took her toothbrush and raped Vera with it. And I would like to add that she was apparently on her period at the time, and then they forced her to brush her teeth with it. They then decided that they wanted to stab or cut her up, but due to people showing up, they couldn't. Witnesses said that instead, they beat her for 45 minutes straight, while people sat back and did nothing. And I don't mean people that lived in the house. I mean people that lived in the neighborhood that would just stop by and watch Vera literally beat to death. The next morning, the Brooks took Vera to breakfast to break from the beatings, and multiple customers and workers were interviewed on Vera's appearance. Many of them said that she looked like she had been hit by a car. She was severely beaten and bruised and cut up, yet no one called the cops or did anything to help her. 
they just sat and watched and talked about her. Um, later that day, a fight broke out between the Brooks boys and another gang down the road. The Brooks boys scattered and ran from the police. Eventually, they went to a local park by the railroad tracks, which many people claimed that they were looking for a good place to leave Vera's body to be hit by the train. After nightfall on March 26 of 2011, Zachary, Danny, and Nicole demanded that Vera put her shoes on because they were going out. Witnesses who were in the home at the time that night said that Vera knew something was going to happen and she didn't want to go anywhere. She kept asking, why Why am I putting my shoes on? Where are we going? And looking around, pleading with her eyes not to go. But eventually, she did as she was told and left. They walked to the railroad tracks near the family home, and when they arrived at the spot, they decided, I'm assuming earlier, they tried slicing her throat with a kitchen knife from the Brooks kitchen. The knife had been so dull, it barely penetrated Vera's clothing and skin. They forced Vera to then strip naked to be able to stab her faster and threw her clothes all over the place. Vera was stabbed repeatedly all over her body 21 times and nearly decapitated. At some point, they thought she was close enough to death, so they laid her sideways on the track and left her to die. As the three left the scene of the crime, they threw the knife into a riverbed nearby. The killers knew that a train would be coming around 2 a.m., and they assumed that if Vera was hit by the train, she would look like quote-unquote hamburger meat. This would make Vera unidentifiable, and they believed that much of the evidence would then be lost. Vera was not dead, though. She was laying there for a few moments, and after all of that stabbing, she used every last bit of her strength to remove herself from the rails. She curled up in a fetal position in the middle of the tracks, and then Vera passed away. When the 2 a.m. train came through, it did pass over Vera's corpse. The train conductor had spotted the body and immediately thought that it was a deer. The conductor stopped the train and looked under and saw that it was Vera's bloody body and called the police. Because of the position her body was in, the train did not hit her or like hurt her in any, any way. With Vera's history, local law enforcement knew it was Vera. But by law, anybody without identification on them needs to be identified by someone. So who did they call? Not her mother, not her sister. They called Sherry, and Sherry told them that Vera's mother was dead for some reason, and so she was all Vera had, which is a lie. Vera's mother was very much alive. Autopsies, the autopsy proved that Vera had been stabbed 21 times, and her throat had been slashed from ear to ear, and that nearly every bone in the poor woman's face had been broken from the beatings she received just before her death. They slit her throat all the way round, said Brooks. She held her neck up like this, saying, Please stop, I want to go home, while her throat was slit, according to Zachary and Danny. The coroner said there were multiple cuts all over Vera's body, and she died of both blunt and sharp force trauma. After the murder of Vera, Danny, Nicole, and Zachary went to Danny's sister's house to party. They seemed very happy and ready to celebrate. They were smiling, high-fiving, laughing, and hugging people like they had just won the lottery. Nicole was heard saying, I earned my first teardrop. Police went to the Brooks' home in order to question the family. Sherry originally tried to blame the murder of someone outside of the family who had been hanging around. Police found evidence inside the home such as Nicole's bloody sweatshirt, the paddle, and the belt and lock weapon which Vera had been beaten with. 
Police arrested Danny and Nicole, who did confess. They stated that they'd been given drugs by Sherry and were talked into killing Vera. Both Danny and Nicole took plea deals. Danny was sentenced to 40 years to life for Vera's death, and Nicole received 23 years for a conspiracy charge. Zachary Brooks was sentenced only to four years in prison for obstruction of justice. There was security footage from a local store that showed Zach, Danny, and Nicole and Vera walking to the train tracks that night. Vera was being led by a knife being pointed towards her as if she would be stabbed if she tried anything such as running away. In 2014, Sherry spent 10 days in jail for inappropriate contact with an unrelated minor. And as far as Vera's murder, Sherry was only charged with obstruction and drug trafficking in 2015 and was sentenced to 40 months. This is the justice Vera received for her murder. Willa Dean was then taken away from the Brooks family and adopted out. Sherry tried to claim she had custody of the child, but wasn't granted custody due to the condition of her home. There was a five-gallon bucket of waste from Sherry in the living room that the child was able to reach into and touch. Zachary Brooks was claimed to be an unfit parent. His IQ was tested to see if he could handle being a parent and was also considered borderline on the mentally challenged scale. So why was Mara Jo killed? Um, The prosecutor after sentencing was still confused about the reason. He couldn't see the reason of her death. Some said it was all because of Sherry and her wanting the custody of Willa Dean. Now this I cannot confirm because I can't find an actual article, but I saw multiple people commenting that Sherry Brooks died in her sleep on February 4th of 2021, but she was never charged with anything in regards to Vera's death. So she, okay, so, so for me to like understand this, she was the head person in charge of all of these beatings. She wanted Vera out because she wanted custody of Vera's child. Yes. She got 40 months in jail for a drug trafficking. Unrelated. Unrelated. And then 10, 10 days in, in jail for inappropriate contact with an unrelated minor. Yep. Okay. Where's the justice? Where the... I'm going to not use the F word, but where's the justice? Because I'm listening to this, and a few times I was, like, so disgusted, and I wanted to cry, and I was just like, don't cry. But it's like... Every single person that came into that house the day she was getting beat, you should be arrested. Yes. Every single person that witnessed it and stood by and did absolutely nothing should be prosecuted. 100%. And why Why was she not? Because she didn't come from a wealthy family and she had a disability? Is that is that my reasoning? Because I can't really find another one. Mm-hmm. And then you have this family who is no stranger to law enforcement getting four years for conspiracy. Zach should be in jail just as long as his cousin Danny. Yes. And Nicole, who's so happy she got her first teardrop. You're disgusting. Yes. She is disgusting. You are all disgusting. You raped this girl. You beat her. You broke every bone in her face. And then you're going to leave her on a railroad track to look like hamburger meat. You're repulsive. Every single one of you is repulsive. Mm -hmm. I hope one of you hears it. I hope someone shares it. You're repulsive. Like, it's, it's disgusting. It yeah. is so gross. And the thing is, Sherry got out of jail. She she had time to live her life in her mm-hmm. little little muck of a home with a little pig running free in it. You're gross. You're the whole family's gross. I'm so yeah. mad, and I don't care if someone it's, thinks I'm mean that I called them white trash and that they're gross and disgusting and despicable. Every single one of you should have been in jail for. 
20 or more years. Multiple people in the house were arrested for drug-related offenses, such as drug trafficking and things like that. Um, I also didn't mention this because I don't think it's super related to Vera, but it also is worth mentioning now. Um, When Punky was and his girlfriend were walking, they were supposedly going to get heroin Mm -hmm. um, to do. And so, I mean, this family was not good. No. The word cult was thrown around a lot, that it was a cult-like family. Multiple people told the documentary and news reporters and things of that nature that Sherry would multiple times say the Manson family was the ideal family. Mm -hmm. Which, I mean, she kind of did the exact same thing that Charles Manson did. He, She instructed people but never actually physically did anything. No, but you... To, but you know, like, how his followers were getting in trouble, but he, like, wasn't at first because... Because he didn't he specifically have a didn't, hand in yes, it. Yes, but she practically did the same thing but got away with it. She's so gross. She's disgusting. And the thing is, is what baffles me is you have a known predator who keeps bringing children that are under the age of 18 into the home. She's now instructing these children who apparently, at no fault of their own, do not have the proper raising and and mindset to know not to do certain things. Yes. And so she's instructing them to do these things. She's probably still molesting them. And then what? She gets no... Why is she not arrested for sexual abuse? Why is she not arrested for fraud collecting a disability check? There yeah. are multiple things this lady could have been arrested, and you can't tell me she's got the money for a good lawyer. She's white trash. Yeah, they all apparently were on disability and receiving checks. Oh. The thing I'm oh most curious about is how, or not how, but I, I'm very curious as if she were a man... I think this whole thing would have been very different. Oh, it would be a completely different story. I think that she would have been put on the sex offender list. I think she would have went to jail, um, not for as long as she should have, but she would have went for something. You're telling me she wasn't even on the list? And she had, from what I, her children taken away for sexual abuse? Get get out of town. If you're on the sex offender list, you cannot have a child in your home, period. And so I highly doubt she was on the list because she never was even charged with half of the stuff she did. If anything, and then also, she, the cops were there multiple times. They saw the baby. They saw the living conditions. Nothing was done. Wh- why? That's my, uh, that's my big why. Well, and then the, I was watching a video of the sentencing, and the judge had the audacity to say, some people want to say that Vera was falling through the cracks and not, um, what is the word? Like, her case, she was failed by the justice system. She was. And the judge had the audacity to say, I don't know if I believe that. Oh, really? Like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but you have the audacity to say that in front of national television because this is on, it was like on television, the sentencing. Right. And you're telling me that you can confidently say that and think you're a good person? Mm, Go home. Go Goodbye. Like, you you should not have a job. In my opinion. Well, yeah, because then what's the next person? Is everybody never had fallen through the cracks? I'm sorry, but you have a woman who is not coherent enough to make her own decisions, Mm -hmm. being instructed by a complete pervert, and then on top of that, then she has a little group of children that she also instructs to be complete perverts and do terrible things to people. I mean, she had someone go curb stomp a girl or attempt to. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, but they, they... 
they make themselves sound like there's some big gang-banging family of yeah. crips. I'm sorry, you are not. You're gross. You're just disgusting people that think that you can do all of these things and I don't care if someone wants to say that I'm mean or nasty. Boo-hoo. Like, I don't care. That's gross. She did not get the justice she deserved. No. And I don't understand. If she wasn't charged for that, can she? if she's still alive, if that... If she hadn't passed on February 4th, 2021, can we go back and charge her? Because there's no double jeopardy. She was never originally charged, charged. with it. She should be in jail. And she denies any... She's She very plays the victim like, woe is me, my life mm-hmm. was hard. Um, which, I mean, I'm not saying her life wasn't hard. She was molested by her dad. Yeah, but you and, know what? She, I, I'm sorry for cutting you off. You had a terrible upbringing. You could have taken the steps to make yourself better. I do not use that as an excuse because there is a hundred people that more than that. There's hundreds of people that Mm -hmm. have been molested as a child and they don't grow up sucking their toddler's genitals. Yeah. You're disgusting. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and also, I did read some articles saying that she continued her sexual relationship with her father after being placed in a foster home and only stopped when she got pregnant by her cousin, Big Danny. There's a lot to unpack in this case and situation, and it does not show Finley in a good light whatsoever. No, it doesn't. And I think that I need to go check myself into therapy after listening to this case. Yeah, it's it's bad. That's why I gave a trigger warning because this is one of the worst cases I've ever read in my life. When you originally brought this case to me, I was like thinking, not that it I don't want to say um, it wasn't interesting enough, but I had thought maybe like someone had just killed her and that was the end of the story. Mm-hmm. And i that's enough for a case to be brought to someone's attention. So I'm not discrediting any murders or anything like that. But the I didn't know that it would it was this bad. And then reading into this, I literally could not believe that half of this happened and nothing was done. Yeah. So I, I want to include something really quickly because this is our Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Vera's case exemplifies it in every single aspect of the definition. She not only had a domestic violence a situation with her child boyfriend, but at the same time, Vera was still a child herself. So who the, who the predator was there? I don't know because they were both on the spectrum of mental disabilities. I would like to include something here just for reference. More than 90% of the people with developmental disabilities will experience sexual abuse in their life. 90%. 49% will experience this abuse at least 10 times. Abusers perceive disabilities as a convenient and vulnerable situation to take advantage of a person. Adults with disability are more likely to experience violence than those without a disability. Of the adults with disabilities, an estimated 1 in 2, 47%, or that is 2.7 million, have experienced violence after the age of 15, compared to 1 in 3, 36%, or 4.5 million, without disabilities. So, just a little bit to keep in your mind. Yes. So, those people around you that you know and you love and you care for that do have disabilities, they're not exempt. There's a hundred per- out of those a hundred percent, ninety percent of those people that you potentially know will be a victim of sexual abuse. Keep those people close to you. Always check in on them. I know that they can't always have cognitive conversations and tell you what's going on, but teach them when they're younger. This this is what your private part is. This is what this is. That way they yeah. have names of what these things are so that they can get the help they need if something happens to them. Or you can have them in safe places where they are away from the people that can do these things to them. 
This is not just a Vera Joe situation. This is potentially your little cousin. This could be your brother and sister. This could be your child. Keep them close to you so that they they know what a healthy relationship is. That 90% scares me. Yeah, that's and, a huge number. And then you have Vera who was not only abused by her boyfriend, you had her abused by everyone that came into contact with her, and then you had her isolated. Until she died. Yeah, and then she was isolated so she couldn't get the help she needed. And then she was instructed to say certain things so she couldn't get the help from police and medical professionals. And you know, it, it was even disgusting because the 911 operator was interviewed in the documentary and she was saying, yeah, you know, it's not that we were desensitized to the situation, but she had called or someone had called so many times on Vera that they would all say that she was a frequent flyer, which also disgusted me because it's like, you knew she had you issues. You all knew that this was going on and nothing was done from it. How do you live with yourself? Honestly, shame on you. Shame on the justice system in this case. Shame on the people that didn't help her. Shame on the bystanders that watched her get beaten and knew about it. Shame on every single one of you. Yep. And I hope to God there can be some sort of justice. I don't care. There's people that are getting justice for 30-year-old murders. Mm -hmm. She deserved more. Way more. 100% more. And I don't care if you think that that's mean and that people deserve what they got. Four years for a murder. I don't care if you're a child or not. You deserve more. You deserve more. You deserve more because there is a woman out there who has a child now being raised by a family that... Hope I, to God. I hope that she went into a good family. I feel like... Probably. She did. I feel like... I, I hope in my heart that she did. But you have a child out there that has a mother that was murdered and left like dirt on a railroad track. Well, and she was 18 months when she was adopted out. So who knows if she what was sexually she, abused or what she experienced before that. Yeah, and what she'll remember or have trauma from. If you do not feel safe in your home with your significant other or estranged significant other, please call 911. If you are going through a domestic violence situation or need advice for someone that is, please call 1-800-799-SAFE. That is 1-800-799-7233. It doesn't have to be just the physical violence like in Vera's case. It can be intimidation or threats. Join us next week as we cover a domestic violence case that got national attention to help bring awareness to domestic violence this month of October. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.